for life. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your son. I pray, Lord, that we would be the church that you desire us to be. We would be the people that you desire us to be. And I pray that, Lord, that you would speak through your word this morning and that you would penetrate hearts and minds, Lord. And I pray that, uh, Lord, it would be challenging to those who need to be challenged and it would be convicting to those that need to be convicted. And, Lord, it would be uplifting to those that need to be uplifted, Father. And I pray that we would all walk out of here changed and different and having made decisions to, to walk more like your son, Jesus Christ. And, Father, we ask all these things mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> Once again, it's great to have you here with us at Grace Church. And Before we get started this morning, I want to take a moment to honor some very special people in our midst. Friday was Veterans Day. And uh, we want to take just a few moments to recognize veterans and uh, to honor you and to thank you for your service. And so if you are a veteran here this morning and you have served in any branch of the military, I'm going to ask that you would just stand up so that we can uh, celebrate you, so that we can honor you. If you have served in the military, if you wouldn't mind, please stand up this morning. Would you please do that? All right, we're going to clap for the vets that are not represented here this morning. Okay. Oh, hey, there's one standing. Sorry. There's one right there. Cool. Almost missed you, Brian. Thanks for your service, man. Really appreciate it. Last Sunday, uh, the title of the sermon was Jesus for President. And we talked about putting your faith before your politics. And the very next day... After that sermon was preached, something really cool happened. There was a young man who, uh, at school, he has to write journal entries, and he wrote a journal entry about the election. And let me just start out by saying, no matter your age, no matter how old you are, you can serve the Lord, and you can be a huge encouragement and a huge blessing to people, including adults. Ethan Fuqua he wrote an incredible note about the elections, and I actually asked him if he'd be willing to read it to us this morning because it's that cool. And so if you guys would give Ethan a round of applause. He's going to come up here and read this to us, all right? Hello, my name is Ethan. Um, I'm 11 years old, and I go to Park Elementary, and I'm in fifth grade. Um, and like Pastor Justin said, um, I... We do, on Mondays, have to write a journal entry for homework, and then we have to turn it in the next day. And so I decided to write about the, the election, and I titled it the 2016 Election Circus. <laughs> and this is what I wrote. I have a history with Election Day. The first time my mom ever heard my heartbeat was on Election Day in 2004. George W. Bush was elected for his second term as president in the White House. This Sunday at Grace Church, we talked about putting faith before your politics. I think putting your faith before politics means to put Jesus before yourself and the election. If the election is stressful, I would turn to Joshua 1.9 to remind myself of God's truth. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and brave. Do not, do not be terrified. Do not lose hope. I am the Lord your God. I will be with you everywhere you go. That Bible verse reminds me 
that whoever gets elected for president, that God and Jesus will be with us through it all. Jesus for president. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Thanks, that's really incredible. Um, that's one of the students here at Grace Church, and I think that's really, really awesome. It was posted on Facebook, and I actually went through and read a lot of the comments, and it's cool. Just this little simple note uh, by a young man was an, a blessing and was an encouragement to so many people, and a lot of people just commented that they were greatly moved by it, that they were encouraged by it. And I also have to no, uh, just make mention that the verse that he shared was actually the memory verse uh, in G-Kids last month, right? So the volunteers that are teaching your children, teaching your children to memorize scripture, it's making a difference. It's so important. So thank you, G-Kids Ministry. All right? It's really important. So keep up the good work. This morning, we're talking about the influence of a father. And the book of Proverbs is where we're going to be. The book of Proverbs is, is a, an incredible book, a very special book. I love the book of Proverbs. It's a great book to go to if you want to be a good father, if you want to learn more about how to be a parent, what God has to say about raising kids. The best parenting advice that I could give you is this. Raise your kids in the book of Proverbs. Raise your kids in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs simply compiles numerous short instruction, instructions for living an effective life here on earth. Proverbs focuses completely on instructing people in the path of wisdom. You're going to hear me say this throughout this series often, but wisdom is this. Wisdom is the, the uh, mixture of both knowledge and understanding. When you have knowledge and you have understanding and you mix those two together, now you have wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. Proverbs states this theme. This is the theme of the entire book, and it starts very early. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord refers to how we view him. How do you view God? How do you view Jesus? How do we give him the respect that he deserves? It means living our lives in light of what we know about him, what we know of him. It means holding him in the highest regard, in the highest honor, and depending upon him. It means giving your life to him, depending on him with humble trust. Not trusting your own abilities, your own strength, your own talents, but trusting him. That's what it means to fear God. And only then, Proverbs teaches, will we discover knowledge and wisdom. The knowledge and the wisdom that only comes from God. My hope throughout this series, my prayer, and my encouragement to you is this. Read the book of Proverbs. Read it on your own. Okay, Don't take it just because I'm speaking it. Find out for yourself. Read it on your own. And after you read it, my encouragement is then to live it. Live it out. It will change you. It will change your life. It will change the future of your family. It's that powerful. It's that good. If you've been around Grace Church for any amount of time, you know how deeply the subject of fatherhood resonates with me. I'm passionate about fatherhood. I'm passionate about being a good husband, about being a good father, and I'm passionate about encouraging the men to be good husbands and good fathers. 
and to be strong men in our community and in our church. Many of the finest dads that I know are right here in Grace Church. Honestly, there's a lot of men that I look up to, that I respect, that have inspired me, that have made me a better husband, that have made me a better father. And part of this is because we've raised the value of being a man of God. We've raised the value of the importance of fatherhood. And we've done this through men's Bible studies, through our annual uh, skeet meet. We've done it here at our services, through sermon series. What we've been doing is we've been trying to inspire and we've been trying to instruct men to become fantastic husbands and fantastic fathers. We've been trying to encourage men to see their role as one of the most significant responsibilities in their lives. The role of being a husband, the role of being a father. And men, I have to say, honestly, here at Grace, by and large, men have really stepped up. Honestly, men have stepped up to the challenge, and I'm really, I just want to say I'm really proud of you. I am really proud of you. Once again, you have encouraged me, you've inspired me, and, and I'm just honored to be among you. This morning, as we talk about the importance of a father's influence, I want us to start by reading Proverbs chapter 4. It's an incredible chapter in this incredible book, Proverbs chapter 4, and I trust that it will bless you and encourage you, and I trust that it will challenge you. And so what we're going to do is read the whole chapter. Um, so open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up here on the screen, and, and you can just read along as I read. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions, for I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my, fa uh, my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Verse 6. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. Verse 9. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. Verse 16. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They can't, or, excuse me, they eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. 
But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Verse 23. Guard your heart above all else. Hey, I'm going to read that one more time. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And that's one incredible chapter in an incredible book. It's jam-packed with nuggets of wisdom for your everyday life that you can use tomorrow morning. The book of Proverbs is so powerful. Chapter 4 is so powerful. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to focus in on three things. Three things that a father must do to be a good father. Three things that he has to do right to be a good father. And you could consider this to be the trifecta, right? The, the three things that you have to get right to be a good dad. First of all, and I'm pulling this out of verse 3 in chapter 4, to be a good father, you have to know a little something about love. You have to love. So on your notes, you see a big triangle. Um, and at the bottom there, just write in the word love. You have to know something about love to be a good dad. Solomon says that he was tenderly loved by his father. And I love the word choice here in the scriptures, tenderly loved. Remember who Solomon's dad was? Solomon's dad was King David one of the greatest warriors this world has ever known. He was a man's man. But the scripture tells us that he loved his son tenderly. He loved his son tenderly. I must remind you that tender, radical love, it has to be demonstrated to all of your children. You have to love in order to be a good dad. You have to love your children. You can look at all the research on this. You can talk to all the counselors. You can talk to coaches. You can talk to youth pastors. And they will all agree that the key difference in the lives of highly functioning, well-adjusted, joyful, creative kids was this. This is what they'll say. They'll all agree. Their dads were crazy about them. Their dads loved them. Their dads were involved in their lives. Their dads express their love through words. And let me just remind us, fellas, that some of us, we, we don't know how to do this because it wasn't modeled to us from our fathers. This is something we have to learn. But your love has to be expressed through words. It has to be expressed through physical affection. And sometimes a hug or a fist bump or a punch to the shoulder, whatever that, you know, whatever you do to show love and affection has to be shown through physical, physical affection. You know, parents and coaches and teachers and counselors, they would say it was time investments. 
They built into their kids. They built their kids up. They would say that they had great family times together, whether it be around the dinner table, whether it be nighttime rituals, you know, before bed, prayer, and conversation, encouragement. Good dads know that this has to happen every day because you know what happens with love is love leaks. You can't just say, hey, man, I told them I loved them a month ago. No, man, it has to be on a daily basis. You have to replenish love. You have to keep loving. You have to replenish love with words and with affection and with with encouragement. You know what good dads also do? They, They don't leave everything at work. Good dads, man, some dads, they will pour everything into work. When they get home, their tank is completely empty. They have nothing left to give. But good dads know this is out of balance. This isn't the right approach. They don't work all day and then come home and plop on the couch with nothing left to give. They know when they get home that they're shifting into one of the most important roles of their day, being a husband, being a father. And once again, man, we have a bunch of great dads here at Grace Church, and and they're doing that job. They're striving. They're working hard to be a good husband, to be a good father, and they're doing it every day. Once again, I've learned from you. I've been inspired by you. Keep it up. The second thing you must get right to be a good father is found in verse 1. And I'm going to write the word, to be a good father, you have to know something, you have to learn, you have to be able to implement discipline. All right? All the kids in the room were just like, oh, really? We have to talk about this? Seriously? Okay? We see this in verse 1. A good father sets boundaries. A good father enforces those boundaries. And he sets reasonable limits because the fact of the matter is, is kids need discipline. I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. It says, folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Okay, Trisha and I, we went on a little double date last night with the Standriches and we left our four boys at home alone and I was a wreck the whole night. I'm, I'm nervous, okay? Because I know what those guys are capable of. All right? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. You see, most parents have learned that, you know, those blue and pink little bundles of joy that you brought home from the hospital? What they really do is they lay in the crib every night thinking up sinister ways to wreck the house, right? Seriously, they probably draw up elaborate plans. I think it's under the mattress if you look. But they develop strategic plans in those cribs to drive mom crazy, to drive dad to the edge, to wear them out, to get into all kinds of mischief. But good dads, they sniff out their plans, right? And they remind those little monsters who's paying the mortgage. That's what good dads do. Who puts the food on the table? Okay? But most importantly, good dads know that they have been charged by God to chase the foolishness out of the hearts of their kids. A child left to himself is going to 
go full steam ahead at foolishness. It takes a father. It takes a mother. It takes the parenting. It takes godly parenting to drive that foolishness out, to keep the children on the right path. And you know what this demands? It demands setting limits, enforcing those limits, and giving consequences when those limits are crossed. And God modeled this for us. We have limits. He's enforced those limits. Even with creation, every ocean has a shore. Okay, It has boundaries. And when an ocean crosses those shores, it, it, it causes devastation. We have to have boundaries. We have to have limits. Good dads, they don't scratch their heads and wonder, like, whose job is it to make my kids tell the truth? Instead of being a chronic liar. You know, a good dad says, that's my job. That's my job to teach my children how to, how to be truth tellers, how to tell the truth. Good dads are not confused about who should teach their kids to share instead of hoarding, to be courteous instead of rude or timely instead of tardy, to be respectful instead of cocky. Good dads take those responsibilities seriously, and they're not afraid. They're courageous in this. They're not afraid to set boundaries and expectations, and they enforce those boundaries and expectations, and they do it day after day, month after month, year after year, and sometimes what seems like second after second, it's a hard job. It's difficult. It's wearisome. You know, the third necessity of a good father is a must. Nothing has greater impact on the life of a child than the example that a father sets. Okay, you can say all the right things, but are you doing the right things? Okay, that would be the third thing. It's to be a living example. To live out what you're teaching, to live out your faith in front of them, because every kid is watching his or her dad. And over time, those kids decide, man, I, I want to be more and more like my dad. And over time, they begin to become more and more like their father. They're watching your every move, your decisions, your conversation, how you react to difficult situations or difficult people. They're watching. They're learning. There are some fathers, however, who set a different kind of model. And you know what? Their kids, they grow up and they say, I can't be like him. I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to drink like he drinks. I don't want to spew anger and hatred over the family like he does. I don't want to be a grump like he is. I don't, I don't want my health to be like his health when I'm his age. I, I don't want to be like him. And then those children go through that very complicated process of trying to be unlike their dad. And you know what? That process can last a lifetime. It can take a lifetime to process through stuff like that. You know, these three things, love, 
discipline, being a living example. You know, they, they help a father to parent, to lead in wisdom. Remember, this is what Proverbs is talking about right here. Okay, write this in the middle. This is what we're longing for, we're searching for, we're studying for, we're praying for, is wisdom. We want to walk in wisdom. And it begins with the fear of God, but we've we got to start learning some of these things on how to love and how to discipline and how to live out our faith. And we start actually moving in a direction where we're being wise in how we're fathering and how we're leading our family. You know, these three things, these are big, broad topics. And I, I, know, I know you guys already understand this and you get this and you, you know this has to be a part of your parenting we know the big to-dos, but what about the smaller, like very practical things that or moves you can make as a father that help to impact your children for good? What about like day in and day out decisions? So what I want to do with the remaining time that we have is I want to zoom in a little closer and I want to talk about some very practical steps that fathers can take to lead their children well. And we're going to call these fatherhood intangibles. Okay, these are things that don't get talked about ever, if, if not at all. So the first one is this, and on your notes you see some blank lines there. I did that on purpose so you have to write stuff, so you have to stay awake. Brilliant, okay? That was brilliant on my part, I just have to say. Alright, so write this stuff down. This is important. Let's talk about it. The first intangible is this. Closely monitor the activity level of your kids. Closely monitor the activity level of your kids in their lives. You know, listening to families in and around Grace Church, I often get warning signals in my spirit about how busy some kids are. I mean, they're in five extracurricular activities after school. They're on two different sports teams. They're going to dance classes and private music lessons. And most families that hear these conversations, they say, we can't even find one night to have dinner together as a family. Not even one. Out of seven nights, we can't find one. And they can't possibly come to weekend services here at Grace because they're just too busy. They're too busy. And it begs the question. This is just a question I have to ask. Is more activity always better for a kid? Is it always better? You know, we can also talk about the other extreme. Parents who grant their kids unlimited screen, screen time, and they allow them to lay around bored out of their minds from after school until bed. Like, really? Is, is that the best plan for our children? One of the biggest and the best, most important things a good father does for his kids is careful, ongoing assessment and even having some conversation with his kids about whether or not the current activity level in his kids' lives is constructive or destructive. Honestly, some parents are pushing their kids so hard in things that their kids don't even want to be a part of. Is, is what you're doing, is the activity level in your kids' lives, is it constructive or is it destructive? Is it soul-filling 
or is it soul killing? And this is something that a good father does. He's, he's observant to the health emotionally and, and, and the well-being of his family. Are they involved in too much? You need to pull back in some areas. They're always making adjustments and leading their family. It's one of those intangibles that no one ever talks about. Let me just say, dads, would, would you give this a little thought? Dads, would, would you just pray and ask God to give you some wisdom when you lead your family to, to know how to navigate this? Would you do that? Another intangible of fathering is, is this. We read this in Proverbs chapter 4. To guard the minds and the hearts of your kids. This is a huge one. To guard the minds and the hearts of your children. I'll ask it this way. Are your kids getting enough spiritual intake? Are they getting enough of God? Because the world is pouring in all kinds of things into our kids' minds and into their hearts. But are they being poured into spiritually? The Bible exhorts us to guard our minds, to guard our hearts, to guard what we're putting into them. And good fathers guard the minds and the hearts of their kids. They know what goes into the minds and the hearts of their children it affects them over time. You know, my dad, he, he wasn't perfect by any means, okay? But as I'm older now and I'm looking back on my childhood, you know, being raised under his roof, I can appreciate now the hard work that my dad put in behind the scenes protecting my mind and protecting my heart. As a kid, I was clueless, man. I didn't have a clue. I, I didn't know what he was doing. I would be annoyed sometimes because he wouldn't let us do this or that, and all my friends were doing this or that, but he was guarding us. He was protecting us, and I would be frustrated with him at times. And But now that I'm older and I look back, my gosh, man, I took courage. He was going against the norm, against culture. He did things intentionally to protect his children's minds hearts. He made sure, let me just share just a couple things, maybe to help you, okay? I'm not trying to elevate my father. I'm, this is just what I have observed now that I'm older. These are some things that he intentionally did to protect us. He made sure I never missed church. I was always at church. I was always at youth group. And I can tell you now that high school, I went to public school. In high school, my youth group kept me out of a lot of trouble. It did. I was actively involved in my youth group. I was always at church. My dad would always send us to every kind of Christian retreat, Christian camps. We went on missions trips. He wanted to make sure that our spiritual tanks were full. We always had dinner together as a family. I mean, sure, we missed some nights here and there, but I can remember often we were sitting around the dinner table, laughing, getting into trouble, you know, fighting under the table with my brother somehow, you know. We had dinner together as a family. Before bed, my dad would read the scriptures, he would pray with us, and he would pray for us. What's really cool is my dad would also recommend, and he even sent me some Christian books to read when I was in college. I talked to him on the phone. That's the cool thing, too. We had a good relationship. I was not afraid to talk to my dad. 
because of the investment that he was pouring into me. I would say something I was struggling with, and he would either share some scriptures with me or he would recommend a book to read. Sometimes he would even send it to me in the mail. Yet another reason I am very grateful for a man named Bob Wright. Dad, I just want you to see the value and the importance of what I'm talking about. What you do, how you lead, what you say, it, it makes a legacy. It makes such a huge difference. Fathers, let me ask you, how will your kids' lives play out in 10 to 15 years if their main intake is from the fire hose of Hollywood or action heroes or social media? God forbid. I mean, is that a good foundation to build your life upon? Is that going to help you lead a family into the future? Man, maybe you'll appreciate the counsel given to us in the Old Testament. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. This is so good. It says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And what we're being encouraged by this writer is it's, he's making the point that children are like sponges. Okay, They're going to soak up whatever is poured into them. And the writer is pleading with parents to pour God thoughts into your children, pour faith thoughts, pour biblical character, have conversations about the Bible with your children. Man, pour those kind of thoughts into the minds of your kids. One more thought I'm going to share with you, and then we're going to be done this morning. Number three is this, an intangible of fatherhood. Write this down, underline it, circle it, highlight it. Don't be an absentee father. Don't be an absentee father. You see, good dads, they draw courageous boundaries at work. They understand there is far more to life than just work. Good dads are even willing to take a hit in their career so they won't be an absentee father. A good father says, I don't care what it costs me, but I will not be absent. I, I'm going to be involved in my family's life. And let me just say, dads, the closer you get to God, the more you're heart will be drawn towards your family. It's the way it works. Let me just put it a different way. You cannot be close to God and abandon your family. You cannot be close to God and just walk away from your family. It's an impossibility. You can't. I am grateful, so grateful for the fact that I see a lot of young dads here at Grace who are doing just this. They're drawing courageous boundaries at work. They're not just pouring everything they have into their careers. They're actually pouring more into their families. And I commend you for this. I applaud you for this. And I say, man, keep up the good work, fellas. This is important.
Let me just say as we wrap things up, I, I, I want to have just a little heart-to-heart with the fathers here this morning, all right? Just a little heart-to-heart, eyeball-to-eyeball conversation. Let me just start by saying that you're not alone in this challenge of being a good father, okay? You're not alone. Dads, look at me for just a minute, okay? You're not alone. Our Heavenly Father is there to guide you, to teach you, to comfort, to show you the way. You're not alone in this. And dads, what you're doing in today's world, in the culture that we live in, what you're doing, trying to raise a godly family, godly children, trying to establish a righteous home, it is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly challenging. And I understand this. I'm right in the thick of it with you right now, raising some boys. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's hard. It's not always fun. It's not always glamorous. It's frustrating. I know so many of you, you're working really hard at it. You're putting a lot of energy and effort into it. You're studying the scriptures about how to be a good father. You're praying about it. Your head's in the game. You know, you're willing to pay the price. You're you're willing to pay the price to be a good father or to be a good grandfather. And what I want to do is I want to tell you this. You're not crazy for doing that. You're not crazy. You're not crazy for engaging as deeply as you know how in loving your children. And sometimes maybe you wonder, like, man, is it going to be worth it? When I get to the end of my life, is it going to be like, gosh, I should have done something else? Can I just encourage you that there's some older men in this church that you should talk with, my dad being one, and say, hey, was it worth it? You had to do it over. Would you love your family like you did? And I already know the answer. It's worth it. It's worth it. You're not crazy for holding your children to boundaries. You're not crazy for being a living example. You're not crazy for loving. You're not crazy. The second thing I want to say is there's probably some dads here this morning who might be thinking right now that it's too late, Justin. I've already screwed it up, man. I've already screwed it up. I'm not a good dad. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I'll never be a good dad. Listen. Please listen to this. This is true. It is never too late to decide to grab a hold of God's hand and to turn around from the path that you're on. It's never too late to decide to be a better father. It's never too late. Turn around. Fix your eyes on Christ. And He will lead you back to your wife. He will lead you back to your children. But you know what? You may have to say those very difficult, challenging, but life-giving words. You may have to say, my son, my daughter. You may have to say, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm, I'm sorry for what I said. I, I, 
I want to make a commitment right now to be a better dad. And I don't want it to just be words. I want to prove it through my actions. You know, it's pretty hard for a kid not to forgive a dad if he really means it. So if you're off the path, I challenge every father here, if you're off the path, just turn around. Turn around and walk back. Say your I'm sorry's and get on a new path. Decide this morning. At Grace Church, we're not afraid to lead you to make decisions. Decisions are so important in your life. And you have to make a decision to say, I'm not going to do this anymore, man. This path is awful. It's, it's, like, it's like banging my head against the wall. I'm going to do something different. So right now, it's decision time. It's time to make decisions that, that could change the legacy of your family. It could change the future of your kids. And it's never too late to turn back to God. So Nikki, she's going to lead us in a great song this morning. It's called Christ is Enough. Christ is Enough. And fathers, what I'm going to ask us to do, let's all stand this morning, and I'm going to challenge the Father. Could you do this? When we start singing, would you come to the front, and would you pray for your family. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your children. Pray for their futures. Pray. Sometimes we pray for their future spouses. Pray for your families. You might say, Justin, man, this is awkward. It's weird. Yep, it's awkward. Might be a little weird. But that's what men, they're not afraid to walk through that awkwardness and say, I need to pray for my family. I need to pray for my marriage. I need to pray for my children. Pray for wisdom, pray for strength, pray for guidance. Moms, you can come forward too, okay? Anybody's welcome to come and pray. So as we begin to sing, make decisions, come and pray for your family. Let's do that now as we sing. Come on forward as we sing.